Hello everyone, I'm Emily Lavender and welcome to today's episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Joining me again today are Scott and Dawn Smith. We're excited to have you guys with us for this series of the podcast where we are answering specific questions that have been submitted to us from our listeners. And we're just going to jump right in today. So here's the question. How do we rebuild trust after mutual infidelity? What are practical steps we can take to earn trust back and extend trust when it feels foolish and scary to do so? That's a great question. And, and I, not that I love it, but it's very uh, wise for this person to say it feels very foolish and scary. One, one of the things that we've noticed, Emily, in working with couples after infidelity, whether it's mutual, if I'm reading this right, this person is saying both my partner and I have been unfaithful to one another. So uh, there's some specific nuances that go along with that. But I will say in our culture, it, it is going to, I'm answering the question from the back and then we'll go to the front. In our culture, uh, especially in an unbelieving culture, restoration of a marriage through after infidelity is going to always seem foolish because in our culture, an unbelieving culture will generally say, wipe the slate clean, walk away, uh, basically uh, cut your losses, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. What, when we're dealing in a Christian culture, when we're challenging to, people to do something that feels both foolish and scary it is going to require a a work of god that can only be explained by the power and presence of god so i want to encourage this couple first and foremost that it's going to feel foolish and scary you're gonna there's no way around that now go back to the beginning of the question how do we rebuild trust after mutual infidelity any relationship, when there is trust in a relationship, even in the formative years, when Dawn and I, 31 years ago, 32 years ago almost, when we started dating one another, uh, one of the things that we deal, we did to build trust with one another, we didn't even know we were doing it. Uh, a healthy relationship in, in building trust is going to be doing it, all, sometimes often uh, unconsciously, is there's going to be consistency over time Mm -hmm. where I prove myself in ways to dawn through my actions, my behaviors, my words. She, She comes over time to begin to see, well, I can trust Scott because this is how he has consistently behaved over time. Right. Conversely, what we find when there's been a betrayal of trust, here obviously infidelity is a huge betrayal of trust, what we tell couples is to rebuild trust, there, there is going to have to be consistency over time uh, if you're wanting to rebuild it. And you don't get it overnight. Right. You didn't get trust overnight, and you don't rebuild it overnight. It's just like indebtedness. Most couples don't run into financial debt overnight, and most couples are not going to get out of financial debt overnight. With regard to rebuilding trust, it's going to require both of them to remain consistent over a period of time for the rebuilding of trust. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, for, for mutual infidelity to have taken place, um, 
you know, it, it, we always try to help couples rather than begin working on the big picture of their marriage, really just to start with looking at maybe the smaller picture of themselves. You know what, really, if, if we can take a pause and be able to look back and, and say, okay, what brought me personally to the place of, of infidelity, mm-hmm. of acting out in that, in that way? Um, we know that we do marriage out of two primary places one out of the experiences from our families of origin and the past relational experiences that we have had so if Scott and I were working with this couple we would want to hear their stories Mm -hmm. we would really want to know tell us about your families of origin tell us about your past relational experiences and then what brought the two of you together um, to sort of go back and maybe retrace a little bit of try to get our our heads wrapped around what brought them personally to this place of infidelity because infidelity is a big moment i mean that's Mm -hmm. a big step it's Mm -hmm. not something that you just sort of find yourself in right right? there is there's a progression to getting you to the place of infidelity you know we we do say couples live separately in their minds before they live separately or act separately outside Mm -hmm. so something's been going on internally for a little while before this, these moments happened individually. And the thing with that too, Dawn, what, what would not surprise me at all as Dawn and I, if we had them in our office and we began to hear their story, not just their story of infidelity, but just talk us through your story together, your journey together. What we find often, Emily, when we're working with couples, um, there were issues in the family of origin. It would not shock me in the least to find out in either her life or her husband's life that there had been infidelity in their families of yeah, origin. Yeah. Maybe one or both of their parents had been in unfaithful with one another. What we often find, Emily, when we're working with couples is that there's what we call in, in, in the church today generational sin Mm -hmm. and it it often gets passed down from one generation to another it's not uncommon whether there's been infidelity whether there's been divorce whether it's been alcoholism abuse sexually verbally emotionally that often gets passed down generation to generation because unfortunately when you're raised in these families of origin it feels like normative behavior it feels like, well, this is just the way life is done. And inevitably, it just continues to happen. And so if we were working with this couple in our office, we would, as Dawn said, we would begin to hear their stories. And then our simple question would be this. Do you want to reverse the curse? Mm. Do you want to stop passing down? Because potentially, I don't know this couple, they may have children, Do you want to continue the cycle? Do you want to pass down to your children what was passed down to you? Now, having said that, I will say, and this is not to discourage this couple, um, infidelity, adultery in marriage, even in Christian marriages, is often one of the hardest issues to overcome. Not by any means am I saying it can't be overcome. We have found in our own life Uh, that through the grace of God, God can restore most any issue of marriage. We've worked with couples through the years 
Uh, one couple comes to mind. He had a homosexual affair. She had uh, 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 other affairs herself, mutual infidelity, and they've been through the process of restoration. So God can do yeah, miracles. Awesome. If he can't do miracles, we need to just close up shop and yeah. begin selling cars or doing something else. But we have to believe, we choose to believe, we know it can be so that God can do a work. That's right. And so the couple would have to realize, okay, what, as Dawn said, what did I do? How did I get us here? Because I'm pretty sure one or both of them came into this marriage and had perceptively unmet desires or expectations that they longed for, they hoped for, um, and it, it wasn't getting, it was not being met. What we find is couples don't just one go from healthy to overnight we're going to have a, an affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a slow fade. Uh, it, it's just where, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, where the intentionality was just lost. They, they lost the, the effort to invest in one another. They became, if I've talked to this couple, I, it would not surprise me if they both said, Scott and Dawn, we basically became like two ships passing in the night. Uh, and they, they found themselves in the arms of someone else that they thought was going to bring them love, affirmation, affection, attention, approval. You name whatever the emotional love need they were looking for, they were perceptively finding it in the arms of someone else. Or retaliation. I mean, sure, you know, we don't, we don't, right. we can only yeah. assume by reading the question, you know, there are a lot of reasons that bring us to that point. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that Scott is right in what he said originally. You know, I think maybe I can help maybe answer a little bit in some things, maybe what not to do in these situations. And I would say one is, look, don't sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't just feel like, oh, okay, we're just both going to agree to wipe the slate clean and we're just going to go forward from here. That does not work in yeah. general. Um, it, it really does um, to find the best path of healing is to lock arms, to walk through it together, not sweep it under the rug. Let's look at maybe what brought us uh, what brought us here in the first place and see if there were some things that maybe we were unaware of. Because even though it is a slow fade, because of the advent of technology and social mm-hmm. media and, and our ability to connect and our ability to hide and connect, yep. the pathway from a thought to sin and actual sin is really short. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, once, you, once that fade happens and you reach that point, then it's real easy to get to a place of actually committing infidelity. Um, that has changed a lot over the years and in the, certainly in the years that Scott and I have, you know, grew up in and in the early years of our marriage, I mean, you really had to do a lot of work to hide your sin, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to do it as much anymore. So, um, being able so we would say, listen, don't sweep it under the rug because it's just going to be there. Let's, let's do the work now. Let's learn to have a hard conversation now so that we don't have to have a harder conversation later. Uh, that's just a great principle that we try to live by yep. together is let's let's do the work now. So don't sweep it under the rug. And second, don't assume that all is lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of the most amazing um, people that I know have walked through this and have come through it together, a stronger couple, a more effective couple. 
this really becomes who's going to get to tell your story mm-hmm. you know do you do you want to tell your story in in your terms and in a term in ways that you can hold your head up you know um, some of my the best people I know who have walked through this are able to tell the story of how God redeemed their marriage and they, and they don't hang their heads anymore mm-hmm. yeah but doesn't mean there's not regret no and and mm-hmm. and I I, you know, I'm a big proponent of regret. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't, I don't adhere to guilt and shame. I think those are definitely not God's design for us. But regret means if I had a chance to do that differently, I would do it differently. Mm-hmm. That those are neither guilt nor shame associated. That's just a powerful emotion that God, I think, gives us when we, because we're never to look back over our life and and see the sin of our life and go, you know what, I'm okay with that. Yes. Hey, yeah. I'm good with that. That made me what I am today. I will tell you that is a deception mm-hmm. because what what sin leads us to is nothing short of what Satan's goal for us. Death, destruction, you know, kills, kills, steal, and destroy. And he leaves us broken and in the ditch. Mm-hmm. If there's anything good that comes from moments like this, it is the grace of God right. that makes me who I am today. He t- takes my failures whether it's infidelity or whatever it is he's the one who turns all of that into something good where I can open my mouth and give a testimony of the sin in my life or the brokenness in my life and be able to offer it as something hopeful right so it's who gets to tell this story well if you want to tell your story in a way that you can hold your head up then you know then understand not all is lost God can take whatever that is and turn it into. He can give beauty in, for ashes, yes. right? That that's who He is. Or somebody else is going to tell your story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, it's going to become the you know, it's going to become the tools for gossip. It's you know, other people are going to tell your story, and it won't be in a way that you would be proud of, or your children would be proud of, right? right? So you know, don't assume that all is lost. Don't try to fix it yourself. Yeah. You know. If there's mutual infidelity here, I mean, that's like the blind lead the blind. Let me just, you know yeah. what I mean? Try to, you can't, yeah. you know, don't try to fix it yourself. You know, and I don't want to, I got to be careful how I say this, Don, but there's an upside to this in the sense that it's mutual because both of them are in the same seat. Well, yes, please be careful how you yeah, say that because we don't, don't, listen, we don't advocate. Yeah, not, that's trying yeah. to fix it yourself, you know, right. is that, oh, well, they had an affair. Let me have an affair. That'll get us on equal, you know, footing, yeah, and then we can go from there. Please, But they're please. both very obviously in the wrong. They're yeah. both obviously in the wrong. What I meant to say with that, Emily, is this. Both are going to have to rebuild trust, Mm -hmm. and both are going to have to seek and grant forgiveness with each other. Generally, when we're working with affair, if it's only one person, the person who was the offending party is in the seat of the rebuilding of trust. The person who was offended is in the seat of, of granting forgiveness. But they're in both seats in this thing. Yes. One has been offended and has also been the offender. And so they're both in the seat of seeking to rebuild trust where they have offended their partner. And they're both in the seat of granting forgiveness when they're, where their partner has, has offended them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so some practical steps that I would say is, is this. And this goes without saying, 
I would say to both of them if they were in our office, you have to cut off all contact with the person that you had the affair with. Mm -hmm. If you're hoping to keep, because it is so weird, but we see it time and time again, the person who was in the affair with the other person, it's almost as if they, I just want to make sure my partner, my my adulterous partner is okay. Yeah. I, I don't want them to be in pain. Mm-hmm. And, and at times what that can say to their, their, their spouse is you're more concerned about your adulteress or your adulterer than you are about me. Yeah. And so we say it's not to be unloving and it's not to be that we, we, it's just to say you cannot continue to have a relationship with this person. Whatever that is, if that means if they were a coworker, if you need to move jobs, jobs yeah. if you have, if it, was, if it was a high school sweetheart that you reconnected with through social media, you have to cut off all contact. Because there will be no restoration if you're not willing to cut off all contact. Secondly, we would say is you have to both be willing to, to restore this relationship. If one is willing and the other is not, I don't mean I'm not cutting Jesus short, but we have found if one party is willing and another party is not willing, it's not it can't be restored. Mm-hmm. You have to have two willing participants um, to to restore the relationship. Cut off all contact, be a willing participant. The third piece is this is where it comes to forgiveness you're going to have to grant forgiveness just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4.32. He says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I would say to this couple, forgiveness is not forgetting. You're not going to, in this life, be able to forget what has happened what you have done and or what your partner has done to you. That's, that is foolish to think that you're going to be able to forget. But you can, through the power and grace of God, just as God has forgiven you through Christ, you can grant that same forgiveness to your partner. And forgiveness simply means this, Emily. It means I relinquish the right to continue to punish you. Hmm. Um, because what happens in adultery is... Eventually, the offending party will want to say to the offended party, I thought we dealt with that. Haven't we talked about that? Do we have to talk about that again? And sometimes it it is just walking that painful road. What we have found very practically is, is for couples, when there has been adultery, for them to establish a time and a day. We're not going to talk about it all the time. But we're going to set aside a specific time and a specific day, maybe Thursday night at 9 after we've put the kids to bed, that if there are any unresolved issues or anything that's just kind of ruminating inside of us that we just need to talk about, we will do it on those nights. So it's just not looming over the head of the parties all the time of this dark cloud. They just know, okay, this is an agreed upon time that we're both going to deal with the issues that we still sense are unresolved. That's good. Scott and Dawn, thank you guys for speaking to this pretty tough question. It's not an easy one for sure. 
Uh, but we certainly appreciate your wisdom and insight uh, into this scenario. And to the person who submitted the question, uh, I just commend you for seeking out counsel and just for taking the next right step in moving toward healing and restoration. Scott and Don, you're right. There is hope, and Jesus is more than able to redeem even this. So as we conclude our episodes, we like to finish with um, a best practice for your marriage. So what would you guys have to say this week uh, for a best practice for marriage? Well, I think we're going to kind of stay with our theme here mm-hmm. and kind of address really the second part of this question about some practical steps to earn trust back and, and to extend trust, to learn how to do that. Um, I would say right off the bat here, a best practice for you in terms of trust, and this goes for anybody, is be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with the people that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing it with. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a great, that's a general, you know, wise practice for all of us to put into place every single day Um, is that what gets us off track is that we are, we have people in our life who aren't the best for us. Mm -hmm. They only say to us the things that we want to hear. Um, we find ourselves in places that we don't need to be mm-hmm. uh, in in, in uh, conversations, private conversations with um, with uh, members of the opposite sex or members of the same sex and having those conversations that uh, we wouldn't want our spouse to know that we were having. Yeah. Um, and then certainly if we find ourselves in places doing things we don't need to be doing. So I think it's just a good, wise practice for us every day to be where we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing with the people that we're supposed to be doing it with. I think that's going to take us a long way. Um, I think in terms, secondly, is uh, there's really kind of goes along with that is focus on daily faithfulness. Mm -hmm. You know, just focus on daily faithfulness. If you, if you work on the, the daily aspects of faithfulness, then you'll find yourself at the end of your marriage, long life of forever marriage of what we hope. A faithful marriage, mm-hmm. just the daily daily practices of faithfulness, faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to our spouse in our conversations, in our interactions, in the places that we go, whether it's online or just, you know, in our everyday walking around life. Is this d- does this build faithfulness in my marriage? Mm-hmm. In, in, would this be something that Scott could could go right along with me in? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, so for me, those two things, I think would be very practical yeah for me a best practice in in this particular instance is is having an accountable relationship and how do we define accounting an accountable relationship is the person who is holding me accountable first and foremost loves the lord jesus christ Mm -hmm. secondly emily they love me third they love dawn they love my spouse and fourth, they love our marriage, and they're going to push us in the right direction. So those accountable relationships have those four parameters. And in those accountable relationships, they're same sex. So in mm-hmm. the accountable relationship that I have with another person, in my life it is a man named Robert Puckett who's on staff with us here at Lakewood. Robert has the freedom, Emily, in my life to ask me any question. And after he's gone through a series of questions with me, he has the permission that I have given him to say to me, Scott, have you lied to me about anything? Mm -hmm. And those are the accountable relationships. Those relationships are such that 
I say to Robert and he to me, we, we confess, as James 5.16 says, we confess sins to one another. Because we believe, Dawn and I believe, confession of sin has both a vertical relationship to it as well as a horizontal relationship. I obviously, in, in an accountable relationship, am accountable to God the Father. David said it this way in Psalm 51, against you, speaking of God, and you only have I sinned. But I also have an accountable relationship to other people on the horizontal plane. James puts it this way, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. I believe, Emily, that there is a healing attribute to the horizontal confession of sin. And so with Robert, I confess to him struggles, lust, temptations, any of those kind of things. And I'm confessing it, Emily, on the front end before I've moved into the realm of stupid. Yeah. Because I'm a firm believer that every one of us, every person living to it, listening to this podcast, Dawn, myself, you, Benji, all of us are all one dumb decision away from stupid. Yeah. And the beauty of accountable relationships, they help us address dumb things before they become stupid things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's being on guard. It's being proactive. That's exactly Um, That's good. Mm -hmm. So be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with who you're supposed to be doing it with, Mm -hmm. and then have an accountability partner. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's great. I love that. Scott and Dawn, thank you guys so much for joining me again today. Appreciate your input, your advice uh, to the question that was submitted. Um, we just want to encourage everyone that the Forever Marriage Podcast is meant to be a helpful resource for you. And so we just encourage you to submit your questions online. You can do that on our website at forevermarriage.org. And we'll look forward to getting to those questions in the days ahead. We'll see you next time. <laughs>